Welcome to Yeah The Gals podcast, where I, Loz McGlynn, chat with epic everyday women who have paved their way to success in their space. We hope you feel inspired, motivated, and ready to listen to some honest and open conversations. Because gals, you bloody got these. up another season of yeah the gals how bloody quickly time has flown it has been such a pleasure chatting with another bunch of amazing women who've brought a bit of themselves to each and every episode i also just want to say a huge thank you again to everyone who has jumped on the yeah the gals bandwagon i feel super bloody grateful to share these stories and hope that you have all enjoyed listening too i already can't wait for season three where we'll have another bunch of amazing gals, stories, laughs, and updates. We're finishing with a little episode done with two of my very talented and beautiful colleagues, Imogen and Chloe, where we unpack the term you may have heard before or felt it yourself, and that is imposter syndrome. Imogen is a brand and experience lead for our hit brand here at the station, She's also just stepping into the role of radio announcer too. She joined commercial radio back in 2021 in her home state, Hobart, where she had multiple roles and progressed very quickly within the industry. Being nominated in 2022 for Best New Talent Off-Air at the Australian Commercial Radio Awards, Imogen has felt the feels of imposter syndrome for a few different reasons. Despite knowing she is a very hardworking and dedicated gal, she can't help but question her achievements at times, and I know it's something that I 100% can relate to. My other beautiful colleague, Chloe, holds the official title of creative writer, but she wears so many more hats than that. Within 12 months, she has worked as a breakfast show producer, digital producer, recently becoming an on-air announcer, and is now a finalist for Best New Talent Off-Air at this year's Australian Commercial Radio Awards, which is the exact same nomination that Imogen had just one year ago. Chloe was beautiful enough to talk through experiencing imposter syndrome personally and how that has also translated into a professional setting. I'd always thought of imposter syndrome as something work-related, but realised as Chloe spoke that it's definitely a feeling that can come up outside of work too. We chat through what actually is imposter syndrome, why we feel it, when we have experienced it, what the research says, and how to deal with it. I loved hearing Im and Chloe give their thoughts and insight in amongst many laughs. So thank you gals for sharing and joining me in the studio. Um, okay. Hello gals. Hello. Hey. <laughs> There's only two other gals in here. <laughs> Hello, gals. How are we? Yeah, good. Great. We are well. Yeah, really good. How does it feel for us to be sitting in these studios together? I call this a big girl studio. It's a bit stressful, but it's fun. It is fun. You guys are both announcers. We are. That's really weird to call myself. Hey, how do you feel about that? Uh, considering I'm very new to it, it feels very strange. Mm. I don't know if I'd identify yeah. as an announcer. <laughs> I don't identify as an announcer. That's very radio announcers, but also other roles within the business. Yeah. So both radio announcers, and I'm just a measly old account manager. Don't you no. dare! Don't you dare! Yeah. No. 
This defeats the whole purpose of this chat. <laughs> Literally. No, so I have two of my beautiful colleagues in the studs. I've got Chloe, who I call Chloe, 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 Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Hello, lo, 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 lo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Chloe is a multi-talented human. I always say that. Acra nominee. Acra nominated creative writer. What is your official title? Creative writer is the official title. Yeah. But there's lots of other things. In the last 12 months that I've known you and worked here, you have held so many other unofficial roles and just jumped straight into them. So let's just rattle them off. The ones that I can say and you can throw in any (laughs) others. If I can remember. Yeah. You are officially a creative writer here. Yes. So you come up with creative concepts for clients who advertise on our stations. Yes. For everyone who advertises on radio, we create the scripts, create a sound for them and Make them sound good. Make them sound good. You do that not only here on the Central Coast, but you support other markets as well. Yeah, we do two other regional markets, Coffs Harbour and Port Macquarie. Stunning. Keeping busy with three different markets and then I just can't stop. I'm doing every other role as well. Every other role. (laughs) So on top of that, not only does she write the scripts, she voices some of them too. With my very professional voiceover voice. (laughs) How come I haven't got the call up to voice any ads yet? Is that because you sound like a 12-year-old sometimes? Yeah. That's self, I should say, that's not me being mean. You say that yourself it about yourself. It is legit. <laughs> I do. I, I got, don't think it's valid, though. I don't think it's valid. I love well, you. I did get asked to do a, a voiceover for somebody in year six. Oh, that wasn't me. It was <laughs> the first and last time I got asked. <laughs> so I think that speaks for itself, but I'm cool with that. I do. I have a high-pitched voice. Let's just call a spade a spade. It is what it is. It is what it is. So Chloe voices ads. She also has stepped into the role of executive producer more than once. Yeah, once for like three months because there was no one else to do it. And they were like, oh, she's here. And I was like, let's see what happens. And so I did that. Yeah, I'm announcing now as well. You've done street team work. Yes. I would say she's our unofficial digital producer. Digi-producing. You want to say that? <laughs> so it has held so many roles. And not that age, I'm not being discriminative with age, but how old are you, Chloe? I am 24. Incredible. And what I love is that you literally, I don't even know if you put your hand up, but people just know you're capable of doing it and you do it and you always do such a great job. It's not like you're a last resort or anything. You actually just are such a... First point of call. First point of call. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. But yeah, no, I just, I don't know. I just, I do put my hand up for things. I always have the feeling of why not? Yeah. Like give if it something's a, available, just go and do it. It's your mentality. And do you know, some people can be really like, that's not in my job description. But you just go, yes. And now you are announcing and you are ACRA nominated. Apparently. So, so that is well, actually, that's a fact. That is actually a fact. <laughs> I'm going to blow my own horn here. Chloe's nominated for the award I was nominated for last year, and it's a hard award to get nominated for, and you've done a bloody awesome job to get it. So uh, please have some, some sort of self-pride in that. That's huge. Yeah. And for people that don't know what an ACRA nomination is, so the ACRA Awards are the Australian Commercial Radio Awards, so like the Logies of radio. Yeah. That's what that much, is. Yeah. And it's a big night, and it's Australia-wide. There's multiple categories and your nomination is for? Best Talent Off Air. So, Slay. 
Slay. Apparently Slay. I'm a talent, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning. Woo. No, I love that. And before we kick off officially, because I'm just doing a little background here, but rolling on over to you, Im. Hey, hey. Im, Im, Im. Hey, Loz. Lozzle Mendozzle, as I called you the other day. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with everybody getting random names? So it's- I call Gurg Gurgle now. Gurgle. Oh. So Gre- Gurg is Greg. I think I've brought this up before. <laughs> Greg is, he gets called Gurg, Gurgalicious. Gurgy Durgy. Gurgatron was the other one. <laughs> what is with everyone giving names? Like Patty, I call him Pad Suedos sometimes. <laughs> That's a new one. Pad Suedos. And then some people just get no name. Yeah. Like they just get their actual name. That's offensive. It's like, don't you reckon? <laughs> I call Ash Smash. Yeah. Oh. Smash and Lee. Scobes. scobes. you got to deserve a nickname. Yeah. you got to earn it. you got to earn it. No, I love that. But Im, Im, Im. Yes. Imogen. Yes. And also doesn't like Immy. No, do not like Immy. Yeah. There's only one person in the world I'll let call Immy and that's my auntie. And that's yes, it. Stanley. That's it. So, Im, you have not been here very long, but feels like you've been here since, like, Jesus was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> True, though, honestly. True. Yeah. It's only been since May. Wow. Whoa. So it's like, what, May, June, July, August. Not even, just four months. Four months. Yeah. And your official title here is? Brand Experience Lead. For Hit. Yes. Yeah. Look after hit across both, but mainly hit. Yeah, so I look so after the, hit the yeah, look after the promotions and the giveaways and the competitions on hit. Just yeah. did a fifty k promotion. Yep, that was huge, and then we gave away a car on Triple M. So there's a lot going on. I'm glad that's over. Get on, <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, I used to do that role, and it was it's hard. It's tough. There's so many moving parts, and you're like the middleman between so many departments here too. Like you have to work with. Like dirty sales department, yeah. aka me. Yeah. And then uh, I, it's funny that I have my own stigma on sales, and I am in sales. Yeah. I'm like oh, just dirty car salesman. <laughs> That's me. I, would, yeah. no. I, I like to think I'm not. You're breaking the stigma. I'm breaking the stigma. I would. I would say you're probably like you're very genuine with your clients, and you are so honest and hardworking when it comes to them, and it's refreshing. I would really struggle in sales because I, mm. and I feel like this, is, you probably don't do this anyway, but I couldn't make people spend money that they didn't have. I would never do that. Exactly. But the it's job hard. of a salesperson yeah. is to get sales. But I like to do it in a very authentic, genuine way where it is mutually <laughs> beneficial. Exactly. Because <laughs> you have to believe in what you sell. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you don't, then it just is, it's not organic and it's not authentic. But yeah. yes, it is tough. But you work with the sales department, you work in with the content team and the announcers, you are one yourself and you're just slotted straight in here, doll. Oh, thanks, doll. Where you recited from Hobart, Tazzy yep. Tazzy. Yeah, so I started as a brand experience coordinator, a specialist, I think we call them now, back in March 1st, 2021. Um, and I did that for, oh goodness, that would have been until December that year. So not even a year. And then I was promoted to manager whilst my manager was on maternity leave. And then did that for six months and then I was like hey let me produce the breakfast show so then I produced the hit breakfast show in Hobart for almost 12 months um and then I left that and now I'm here made a sea change literally made a sea change yeah came up here with your ginger cat Harry yes Harry Harry came up here and I think you just slotted in so well no one even showed you where the bathroom was no I had no idea (laughs) yeah isn't that crazy I feel so lucky that I get to work and I'm not just saying this but I feel so lucky that I get to work with so many amazing gals and obviously guys the reason for getting you gals in here is because I want to talk about a topic that has come up 
in pretty much every episode in some way that I have done on the Yeah, the Gals. And that is something that I've experienced myself. And I know that you guys have as well to some degree. And that is imposter syndrome, which it's, it sounds very diagnostic. Yeah, it sounds medical. Yeah, sounds it sounds medical. And I was just having a little brief research into this, so I felt like I was slightly prepared. And it was a term that was made in the 1970s. Really? Is it yeah. that old? Yeah, wow. Psychologist Pauline Rose Clance, random, and Suzanne Imms developed the concept originally termed imposter phenomenon in their 1978 founding study, okay, so in the 80s, which focused on high-achieving women. So I never heard this term before until I took my first job in sales, and that was seven, about seven years ago. I had a mentor at the time who I asked to be my mentor. So basically, a bit of background, I don't have a uni degree. So, like, I finished school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just was like, I'll get a job, like an internship or something like that in administration. And I landed a role at a pharmaceutical company called Allegan. And I worked in there as an office assistant and really quickly was progressed and got promoted. But I got to a point where it was a massive pharmaceutical company. If I wanted to get into marketing, I had to have worked in sales. If I wanted to work in sales, I had to have a medical or a science degree because you were selling prescription products. So the pathways were really limited for me, but everyone always said, you're such a hard worker. And I was like, I worked so hard. Once I got stuck in the elevator at seven o'clock at night, because I was still working there and I was in Sydney, I was working in Sydney and commuting to the coast. Carlos, the cleaner had to come and save me at seven o'clock at night. And it was so dumb because it wasn't even jobs that were imperative to the business. It was just, I wanted to showcase that I was hardworking. Anyway, long story short, stepped away from the company because there just wasn't really anywhere for me to go. And I came and worked at the station here in the promotions department. When I was here, I was working, again, working so hard, getting paid absolute shit. I will say that it was such shit money, but it was so fun. And I never thought, oh, I want to go to uni or I want to do something. Then that sort of ran its course here. There wasn't really anywhere else to progress at the time. And I went back to the pharmaceutical company. And when I got back there, I don't know what happened, but I was like, I know I can do more than what I'm doing. But when I went back, a lot of the people I worked with to start with were still there and they had progressed into other roles. And I saw that even though they had uni backgrounds and stuff, a lot of the stuff that they needed to do didn't necessarily require them to use that uni degree. It was just like, it was just a piece of paper. And I remember going into one of the director's offices And I was like, I want to be an account manager and I know that I could do a good job. And I was shitting myself doing that. And he was like, okay, like we can work on that. And within a few months, he pulled me aside in a lunchroom and he was like, you've got it. You've got the job. The job was to sell like prescription products. So other people in the business had been turned away from getting those jobs because they didn't have a uni degree and they left the company. I There were also other people that went through the interview process having worked towards that role and not got it in the end. And the interview process was like 
revise and present back on a clinical paper. You had to do a total PowerPoint presentation. You had three rounds of interviews. Like it was full on. And then he offered me the job in the lunchroom. And there were other people around. He was like, you've got the job if you want it. That seemed so crazy to me because I did not meet any kind of requirement. Like I thought it was a joke. I seriously thought I was being stitched up. And then the and the first thought I had was he needs to fill that role. So he's just ticking a box. Not that I actually deserved it. That was my first thought. It was like, oh, this is a fluke. I'm right place, right time. There's no way that I deserve this. And when I started, I had some of my colleagues in the team who felt that I did not deserve that role. So I was not welcomed in the team at all. There were some people in the lead up, I found out I was getting the job and he had asked me to go and spend some time in field learning about sales. I'd never sold anything in my life. Like it was so bizarre. And then to be working for one of the top pharmaceutical companies as an account manager and taking on like a $4 million portfolio. What am I doing? And I called one of my colleagues that I was going to be a part of the team. And I said, hey, this person's asked me to come and spend some time with you in field. Can you let me know what your diary's like? I'd love to come and see you. She's like, so what, what's this for? And I was like, oh, I'm just exploring the idea of being an account manager one day. She was like, oh, good to have aspirations then, I guess. Oh. And, oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, shit. She's about to find out in two weeks that I'm actually joining the team. So that's a bit low key and awkward. Anyway, within the first six months, it just felt so like I didn't deserve it. I met with one of my colleagues who I asked to be my mentor because she was just amazing at her job. And I sat down with her at lunch and I was just telling her how I was feeling. I was like, I can't do this. This is too much. Not because I didn't want to, but I just felt like I don't deserve it. This People are going to think I'm a phony. She was like, Laws, have you ever heard the term imposter syndrome? I was like, no. She's like, it's super prevalent in women. And she explained what it was. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I think where I first heard of it, I think it's become a part of online conversation. Yeah, I definitely heard it online for the first time, no more than five years ago though. Oh, easily. I would would say, yeah, Yeah. three, four years ago probably for me. I think it's a testament to you that you still kept going. Because I think yeah. a lot of women will get into that, or people will get into that position and go, nah, I'm out. Like, I don't feel it's like too I much. It's too much. So yeah. huge props to you for sticking with it. I felt like I owed it to the person that gave me the job, though. Yeah. I didn't want to let him down. And it felt like constantly in those next five years, it didn't matter how many awards I won. I got rep of the year within two years. My portfolio went from four million to nine million by the time Lauren. I left. Yeah. The thing that I'm most proud of is not the numbers, but I actually won a lot of mindset awards and I won a lot of like fostering good culture, building really good internal relationships and that sort of stuff. I was promoted to a senior account manager within two years and I had some of my colleagues that were working at the company for five plus years that still weren't promoted into that role so it was like all these things were happening but I never once was like that's because I work really hard. Yeah I think it's hard because in your situation you had people already putting you on the down that you didn't deserve it which isn't fair is not fair because the, the fact of the matter was you got that role you worked hard in that role yeah and it's shitty that people have that perspective. But I think what you proved was that hard work pays off. If you've got the right thinking and the right mindset, you can build and grow 
to whatever you want to achieve. There's literally no limits. And if you want it, you can get it. It's so true. And that's something that I reflect on now. And I'm so mad at myself. It's not like I sat there and was like, putting myself down every day. But when someone would give me a compliment and that still happens now, and I know it happens to a lot of people, but someone would be like, good job. And I'll be like, oh, it's because of this. Or someone would be like, wow, like you've done so well. And I would say, fake it till you make it. And I immediately discredit that I actually just sometimes do a bloody good job. And then I sit here and I tell other people they're kidding themselves for not being more kind to them themselves. I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I don't want to come across like I'm arrogant and I don't want to come across like I, I don't know if this is you a women the, thing. I was about to say, you know what the most frustrating thing is? A man would never have had that thought. I know. Yeah. Hands down. It would have been like, yeah, yeah, I worked that hard. I did that. Yeah. I wouldn't even bat an eyelid at that. Yeah. I know that I need to be more like I worked hard for that and I need to be more vocal about achievements because at the end of the day, you have to be your biggest advocate because no one else is going to advocate for yourself the way that you would. I totally get that. I, for a long time, was waiting for someone else to help me. Even in my current role, before I started doing all these different things, I was just waiting. I was like, oh yeah, something will happen. You've got to put yourself out there and ask for something to happen rather than just wait for it to come to you. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I know when I was in those earlier days in the pharmaceutical company, because it was such a big company and it was super corporate, media is very different to say like a corporate pharma. So I would go and wait for my boss to book in our one-on-ones and my annual development. He would go, what do you want to do, Lauren? I would go, I don't know. I just like helping people. What do you think I should do? I look back now and he was actually just trying to empower me to determine my future. It is so true and it's scary to ask. And I also think that's why it's so important to be surrounded by people that fully are your support because you have to advocate for yourself, but it's also really important to have either a mentor and go out and ask for a mentor. I went and I said to somebody who I really loved her style, I was like, can you please mentor me? Because I love how you do your job and I feel like we're really similar and I need your help. And that made me such a better account manager. And it wasn't like she was showing me the technical side of things. She was just going, Loz, stop being such an idiot. You can do this. Just keep going sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that's really important. it's so nice to have those people around you to support you. Even just you, Loz, you're constantly saying, great job, Chloe. And, like, you're sending me these really lovely emails on scripts that I've written. And it just... It's just that extra push. Yeah. So, like, you've encouraged me to do the same to other people. Yes, yeah, And try and lift other people up because it, it feels nice to be recognised. Yeah. Even if you don't necessarily believe it with the whole imposter thing, it still, it still feels good to have that told to you. Yeah, 100%. No, and I've been on the receiving end of somebody supporting me, so I make a point of it, as you said, Chloe. And it also feels nice to showcase other people. Yeah, I think when it comes to compliments and things, things about my work, I suck at taking them. Yeah. I cannot take it. I feel like, you, like you're like you your own worst critic mm. and I feel like this has been really evident in me in the last week and a bit. I've been filling in on air. I've been doing work day, yeah. you know, what, 9 to 12. That first week, everyone's like, you're sounding really good, you're doing really good. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not. Like you, you, guys are, you guys are just being nice. This is, I'm, I need to get better. I'm rusty. I haven't done it in eight months. Like I'm, I felt really hard on myself and really stressed and I also – felt uh, imposter syndrome in the fact that like Nick Kelly's on air here and he is 
I can't even describe Nick Kelly. He is incredible with mm, what he amazing, does. Yeah. And to think that I was coming in off the back of him going, oh my God, I'm not that good. I can't do that. I can't be a Nick Kelly. And I think the thing I need to remember is I'm not Nick Kelly. Nick Kelly's Nick Kelly and I'm Imogen Johnston. Yeah. So I think... It, like taking those compliments from people was really difficult. You You're deflect. I'd so <laughs> deflect every single time about everything. I just go, I can't believe you've just been able to do that in amongst what you're already doing in your day-to-day job. Like, yeah. That's what I think. And you sound great. We are our own biggest criti- critics, which is really tough. But I found two articles and one was just like talking through what is imposter syndrome All the articles I found were that it is predominantly in women. This one was from the University of Queensland. Feel like a fraud. Top execs share their stories of imposter syndrome and how they overcame it. Fake it till you make it. It's a mantra you've heard. You've put it into action at some point during your career, whether you've had to fake confidence to get through a presentation or project self-assurance when stepping into a new promotion. People who have imposter syndrome regularly question the valid validity, the validity, 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 the validity. (laughs) She's the writer. She's the writer. (laughs) Thank God we've got someone in here of their achievements. Often attributing career progression to luck rather than skill. Hundred percent. I'm always like, I was just in the right place at the the right right time. time. Yep. So stupid. For so long, when I first got on air down in Hobart, it was because the girl that was doing it got onto a reality TV show. And I was like, oh, I'm so lucky that she did that because I got the chance to do it. But also I got the chance to do it because I wanted it. I fought for it and I got it. It wasn't just that. That yeah. played a part into the opportunity becoming open but didn't play a part in me getting the role. Do you know um, what I mean? So bloody literally. at the time I was like, oh, so lucky yay like I get to do it but it wasn't just that like they they didn't ask Darren in the finance department to do it yeah exactly exactly and I just I think luck like I look at this job here and go oh I was so lucky that opened up when it did and I am because this opportunity wouldn't have come if I hadn't I was already leaving my job in Hobart this came up literally my last week yeah and that was all luck but I think the most confident I've ever been in an interview was the interview for this job because I had nothing to lose so I was true. I was going to I was going to leave my job no matter what. If I got this job fantastic, but because I had that mindset, I was like, yeah, like I can do it and I wasn't scared or worried about what the people interviewing me would think because at the end of the day I had nothing to lose. But so interesting. But you can't go into that you don't go into every single interview with that mindset because like you you feel like you can't. It's oh, they've got my fate in their hands. It's yeah. not like I have my fate in my hands. They've got it in their hands and I have to tread lightly so that they favour me. Yeah. Whereas, so glad I got this job, but it was just, I, I didn't have anything to lose. And I went, yeah, what I want to have me, don't have me. I don't care. Do you know what I find so interesting as well in my experience going through interviews is I always sat there going, this is what I can give you. This is what I can do. This is what I'm capable of. And I never said, and what are you going to do for me? I think about that now. And when I was younger, it, there wasn't a lot that I needed to consider. But as I've gotten older, I have to know what is the maternity leave? What is super? A lot more of the conversation now, and I can understand why companies are being more competitive, is what is your flexible working arrangements? What's the culture like? I never asked any of those questions. I was just like, what's the pay? How far away is it? Can I do it? is that job description? Can I do everything in there? Or am I going to start and they're going to go, 
you absolutely fobbed your way through that interview because you can't do any of the things that you said you could. That was my thought process. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, no, I feel like a so lot of people can relate to that, especially because I did talk myself up a lot in that interview because I had nothing <laughs> to lose. We all I got here and I was like, what if I can't do it? What if I screw up? What if I do this? What if I do that? And it was just like, it, it created a lot more stress for me because I was more stressed that I was going to let them down from what I'd promised I could do. Do you know what I noticed as well is when you started, you were such a breath of fresh air. Not only were you competent, but you were actually just so easy to work with from the get-go. It was seamless. Like we said at the start, it just felt like you'd always worked here. And so I was so grateful. I was like, Im, you're amazing. Like you just are so easy to work with. And it got to a point where you started to get a little bit not uncomfortable, but you're like, you're just saying that I don't feel like that. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I just love this chick. <laughs> and then I realised that I was probably saying that too much and I didn't want it to lose its weight. But I genuinely was just like, you are amazing. I, so isn't that so interesting? Yeah, I think I felt that because in my mind I was doing like bare minimum. I was like, this isn't great. Just because you're not burning out, it doesn't mean you're not working hard. Oh, yeah. She said it. She said yeah. it. Where's the gavel? We need a gavel in this studio. But it's so true. We measure how hard we work based on whether we feel overwhelmed, yeah. not whether that we're actually 100%. just doing a good job. Yeah. And I want to come to work every day and work hard but not go home and lose sleep because I'm so stressed about what's coming tomorrow. That's a bad mentality. And like this one or two of these articles is one is obviously just around what imposter syndrome is. But there's also an article here by Harvard Business Review that says literally the line is stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. Let's actually change the mindset and the behaviour of why women are made to feel like they have imposter syndrome. And that starts with us. Yeah. We have to just stop being so, like, not dramatic, but just a bit more empowering of ourselves. And back ourselves, I think. I think you, the burnout is a really interesting take on it because, like, I was leaving my job because I was burnt out. And yeah. those things happen. I was working myself to the ground. One of the big things in my mind when I started this job was I'm not burning out. I'm going to set boundaries. I'm not going to work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. like I was at some point in my old job. It was, I'm going to go home, going to have my lunch break. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to make time for the things that matter to me. And because I'm doing that and because I'm still getting my job done and working hard, I'm not burning out and therefore I feel like I'm not working hard enough. Isn't that so crazy? 100%. Like You've light bulb <sighs> moment for me. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Where's the wine? Honestly. <laughs> Bring it up. We also, we find it so easy to support and like compliment other people and we don't do it to ourselves enough and go actually I do work hard I do a good job because at the end of the day the jobs are the jobs but I think what makes someone so good at the job is not how they do it but who they are yeah if you're really easy to work with we communicate it's just that respectful environment that's why I think we work all so well together in the office is because we all just have this mutual respect for each other I also think like communication is key when you do something outside of your job description. I don't know. For me, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm happy to do that. No problem at all. And just making a point of noting that it's something I'm doing extra. And not yeah. that it's a bad thing. Like, I love going above and beyond. I love doing things outside of my job description. Just making it clear that, yeah, I love doing this, but it's not an expectation. 
it's a sometimes. And, and that's key in not burning out. And that's what I'm really trying, like, especially when I took this job, like I said, trying to implement is ways that I'm not going to absolutely axe myself in this role. Yeah. And that's another really good point too. I think it's about having boundaries because I used to be a yes person to yeah. everything. And I still think a lot of the time I am. And I think you guys are as well. It's just like in, like it's in who we are, but just because you say no to something, people aren't going to go, oh, she's not working hard enough. Sometimes instilling those boundaries means that I can, or you can, or whoever wants to instill those boundaries can do their role better. Yeah. Like you're not spread too thin. So I also, yes person in my past, huge yeah. yes person. I was the go-to person for everything in yeah. previous roles. Like you had a question, in my answer, in those answer. And because of that, I was asked to do way too many things that were outside of my job description. Some mm. of them I love doing. Others, I said yes once and then it just became my job. So I was spread too thin. I couldn't get my actual job done properly because I was doing way too much other things because I kept saying yes. Yeah, so true. And it's good to say yes occasionally. 100% take on the extra challenges, do the extra work when it's warranted, when you want it, but not all the time. No is a complete sentence. Have you heard that? Yeah. I know it's said in a lot of different contexts. I know it's definitely said in consent context, but also I think you can apply it to a lot of different places mm. in your life. And I think work's a really good one is no... Not today. I'm not going to do that. Sorry. Yeah. Complete sentence. Yeah. You don't need to justify why you're not going to go above and beyond on so that or outside of your description or yeah. your role to do that thing. It's not to say I won't help you find another solution, but it's just sometimes it can't be me all the time. Buddy, bits of gold to hear today, <laughs> girls. Well, I haven't actually officially asked you when you guys have experienced imposter syndrome <laughs> and we've been here for a bit. We're having a good time. But Cloco, tell me, when you think about... When you've experienced imposter syndrome, when would you feel like you have? Look, I was thinking about imposter syndrome and like where it comes from with mm -hmm. me. And I was like, why did this happen? Okay. I was trying to think pretty deeply about it. And I think I come from a pretty low socioeconomic family household, single mom with four kids in a tiny little house. University was never the expectation Right. Mm. So I felt like growing up, I needed to work a bit harder to get what other people already had. So. <laughs> Joan, I didn't expect to get emotional. Yes, I'm sorry. No, this is um, lovely. But yeah, no, like from the two weeks after I turned 14, I was at the bakery down the road getting a job because yeah. that's just what I wanted to do. I just wanted to go to movies with my friends. I think I've been doing all these things to try and catch up almost is what it's felt like. I got to university and I think that was the first time I felt it because I was like, oh, shit, all these people come from, like, well-off families. Yeah. I didn't relate to them in so many ways. I really struggled with that for a while. I got to get used to it and overcome that and be like, yeah, I do deserve to be here. I've worked hard for where I am. But, it, yeah, didn't really feel like it. It was really strange. I'm the first person in my family to graduate from uni, wow. which is pretty cool. And then I came here and it felt like a bit of a repeat. The first, like, six months in this office, I felt completely out of place. Yeah. Just, like, conversations, I struggled to relate to people a lot. Just on, like, random things. Yeah. I felt like an imposter just being here. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, overcoming that. And I think this year, as I've done a lot of other things, I now feel like I belong a bit more. Yeah. And I'm not the imposter. I've actually realised, oh, I deserve to be here and I've worked hard to get here. Yeah. Instead of just, oh, 
who is she? Like, why is she here? That's what it it felt like for a while. I would look to you as one of the key people in this business. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. Like when I think of this business and everyone plays a part, right? Everyone has a role here. There's these people that stand out and you are 100% one of those people. So I genuinely say that and... Yeah, that's so interesting. And I've never really thought about imposter syndrome coming from anything outside of a job. Yeah, that's what I think in a job, I've definitely felt it. But I think personally as well, I if yeah. I'm like hanging out with a different group of friends that I grew up with, I feel I yeah, I just I feel like I don't belong or I feel like I I don't match the energy. Even here sometimes when we're just having lunch, I just feel oh, I, I don't quite I don't quite fit in. I don't know what that is or where that comes from. Yeah, so interesting. But yeah, I feel sometimes like an outsider and I'm getting better at it and I feel more comfortable with that. That (laughs) is really lovely of you to share that. And thank you for thinking about it in a deep way. That's so true. I think I've probably felt a lot of imposter syndrome in personal settings as well. I'd love to know where it all stems from. Interesting. I think it's just a subset of anxiety. Yeah, I think we all get anxious about certain things and I think you just feel anxious, right? It stems from that and you go, oh, I don't belong here and you're just because you're not sure of yourself. Yeah. I think, And I think it's what you do with it. We all feel uncomfortable. We're not always at home in our safe zones. There's growth in being uncomfortable. My boss always used to say there's no growth in the comfort zone and he always used to put up this picture of a donkey tied to a plastic chair and was like, the donkey's holding himself back. It's what we do with it, I think. Like we can choose to go, I'm never putting myself in an uncomfortable position. I'd rather just stay as a hermit. Or you go, just going to put myself out there and see what else happens. Because nine times out of 10, everybody else is feeling exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. agreed. So true. Love that. Chloe, thank you for sharing. That was stunning. Thanks for letting me share. I love yeah. it. A bit of therapy, <laughs> a bit of a laugh. Now, Im, mm. talk to me. When do you think that you have felt imposter syndrome? Oh, goodness. Probably a lot of points across my life. Most recently, as I said, last week when I started on air again. (laughs) But I think a big one, the social setting crosswork was the ACRAs last year. So I had been in radio for, I don't know, a year and a bit. I was nominated for a freaking award, which is crazy to think. And I was in a room with the biggest radio stars or talent announcers, everyone in the whole country in the room. And I was like, I do not belong here. This is not for me. How am I in this room right now? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I had landed myself a nomination. It all felt very, I think, uncomfortable. I felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like I didn't earn it. I think what played into that is I wrote my nomination the day it was due. (laughs) Me and my boss were like, oh, yeah, I should go for that. So we wrote it, we sent it off, and I landed the nomination. I was like, I I felt like I didn't work hard for it because I'd done it so last minute, which is just in my nature. I got nominated and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're nominated. I like, I just did my job and I wrote a one-page thing about me. I didn't feel like I deserved it or earned it. And then you're in the room and you're there and they're announcing your name. Abby Chatfield's up there holding the card and you didn't win. I didn't win, which I was so fine about because I was like, I'm up against some hardcore people. The fact that I'm even in this room is bananas. I think that moment really like imposter syndrome, but also a moment of achievement of being like I didn't do it I didn't win but I'm here and I got nominated and oh my gosh what really grounded me was all these other people the likes of I don't Carrie and Tommy or all these other people had lost out on awards or shows had lost awards and I was like I'm just like them yeah <laughs> it's not a big yeah. deal 
to lose and I am just honoured that I feel like I'm rambling about it. But do you, you know what I'm trying to say? I know exactly yeah. what you're trying to say. I actually didn't realise until you've said it and you've probably said it before, but I didn't realise that you haven't worked in this industry for a, a long time. I assumed that you'd been in the in- That is crazy. I thought you were in the industry for four or five years at least. Yeah, no. I think another point in time when it came up was I was in a meeting recently and someone asked me to in- asked me to introduce myself and tell them about my background. And I said, oh, yeah, I've been working in commercial radio since 2021, started in promos, managed it, produced, now I'm here. And they went, afterwards they were like, I didn't realise you didn't have that much experience. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just winging it. Two years in the business and yeah. here I am. Like, yeah. there's nothing. I love that you're like, I can't believe I'm in the leadership team. <laughs> You're like, I've been invited to leadership meetings and I'm unsure like <laughs> why I'm going to these. I brought that up with someone recently who is, who's at a different station. I was like, I'm in the leadership meetings. Like it feels, I don't feel like I belong there. Actually, that's a really good example of it. it I don't feel like I belong there. I feel really out of place. And they were like, why? They're like, yeah. you need to be in those. That's you. And I was Literally. Like, I was like, oh, okay. And then at the leadership meeting, had a meeting with our CEO recently and I think I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say in this meeting. I was, I felt myself like close up, close over. I was like, I do not belong in this room. I don't feel like a le- leader. Is yeah. that really bad to say? The leadership team is a really great example of when I felt imposter syndrome because I do not feel like I belong there. And yeah. I know the thing is like in my brain, I'm like, I know I do, but I don't feel like I do. I yeah. feel like it's two separate things. It's like, yes, I know that this is where I am and where I should be. But I'm like, I feel like I just don't have the experience that the other members of that team have. Yeah, I can understand that. And I also think, too, when you think about a leader, you think about someone that's prim and proper and got their, got themselves together. And I'm the I, opposite of that. Yeah, but that's actually what <laughs> I love. Way. In a good way. That's actually what I love. And I think that is changing a little bit. And there's been a few, like, key things in my career when I think about it, and probably personally as well, where people have said something to me that's, like, really landed. When I was in corporate pharma, someone said to me, my manager at the time, and she was, like, pretty high up. She was like, never change who you are. Whatever you do, never change who you are. And I've always thought that because I've always thought of myself as a bit kooky, like, bit weird sometimes some of the things I say I'm like what is coming out of my mouth and it just keeps coming out like but I've never changed who I am when I've gone into those sales jobs and I actually think that's what's made me a successful person in this role it's not because I like sales it's just because I'm good with people and the reason I'm good with people is because I haven't changed who I am and I think that everybody feels imposter syndrome at some point what I found really surprising doing this podcast is the people that I've asked to interview, some of them I've been really nervous to ask to come in and then they've been just as nervous to come and do the interview. So that's been a real lesson for me. And then these people that have created these amazing businesses or have these amazing stories, they all feel that. Like that, that it's tied into so many of the conversations. So I think it's nice to acknowledge that we all do feel like that, but let's also try and change how we have that conversation with ourselves. I 100% agree. Like I'm already sitting here going, oh, what have I said in this podcast that I shouldn't have said? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm already anxious and stressed about this episode of what I've already said because I feel like maybe I'm not qualified to speak on it and maybe some of my points are wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. I'm already feeling like that. Wash your mouth out. We're not even at the end of the episode. It's so ingrained in us that you feel it every moment and you don't even realise it until you actually think about it and start reflecting. Yeah, it is. And like I'm sitting here going, Imogen, everything you've said, you backed and you've said, like you believe it. 
but it still doesn't make me feel like I'm qualified to speak on it. Do you know yeah. I mean? yeah, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should have talked more. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> sorry. I have not given you a, enough of a chance. We're going to have to come back and do something else. I just, look at me, guys. Look at me. I'm just like, wah, 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 wah. we love to hear it, Loz. Uh, do we? Me too, babes. I think we're all talking. We're all talking. No, you guys have been so awesome. It's all like really comforting to know that everybody feels the same and equally sad because I just, don't think anyone should feel that way, but I think it's just nice for people to go, oh, me too, a little bit. And also from both your perspectives of why you think you've had imposter syndrome, because I think it stems from, oh, I don't want to go down the patriarchal society oh, path. It does, that's the truth. There is unfortunately so many parts to that, which is, anyway, story for another day. A whole other episode, Lozzie. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but five tips to trying to overcome imposter syndrome is acknowledge the feeling. So acknowledging when you feel like you do have imposter syndrome, call it out within yourself. Accept it as a part of developing your skills, your confidence and your character because it signals that you are stepping outside your comfort zone, which is where you develop and grow. So true. To practice positive self-talk. Self-talk is important. Yeah. I've definitely changed my mindset around this. Like, I do think that there is power in that because I, not that I used to think it was woo-woo, but it, it's good practice to have. How good does it feel when we say something nice to someone and you see their reaction? Like, why the frig can't we do that to ourselves? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah I'm really shitty at self-talk. Yeah, Full stop. Uh, I don't like it. My, I've found my defence mechanism a lot of the time is self-deprecation. Yes. So I'll make fun of myself first so then no one else can. It's like I get there first. Same. Yeah. I yeah. do that too. It's like how I always call out how high-pitched my voice is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a bit of banter. That is a really interesting point, Chloe. So yeah, pa- practice positive self-talk. It can help to practice mindfulness. Give ink to your thoughts. Pen down everything that you feel. Who has time for that? But <laughs> <laughs> Silence is not key if you want to address this feeling. Interesting. Three, reframe the situation. Turn it around and accept that imposter syndrome can be a positive force. You can channel the nervous energy into doing the best job you can in any scenario. Love that. I think we touched on that too. Yeah. Channel that energy. Be the driver of your seat. What's another cliche quote we can throw in? I'm into it. Pilot your own plane. Pilot your own plane. <laughs> I pulled that out of my ass. Did you? <laughs> wow. Do you want to come be a writer with guys, me? That guys. was really good. I'm yeah. going to leave promo. I'm now becoming a creative writer. I love it. It helps to remember that people don't know what is inside your head and they don't know what you have or haven't done before. That is yeah. so true. Wow, yeah. That's, I feel like it's that's almost, it's almost a fake it till you make it. Yeah. It is. It yeah. is. It is. Okay, four, find a mentor. I am a really big believer in that, but don't find a mentor for the sake of having one. Like actually find someone that you look to and go, you're epic. And it doesn't even need to be someone that's doing the exact same job as you. Can I just interrupt to say you are probably unofficial mentor to a lot of us here that you probably don't even realise. You are the first person I go to if I have a question about how I need to write an email literally before we came in here, how to write an email or if I have a question or if I just need to talk something through and get a different perspective, you are the first person I will go to. I I don't know. I feel like you need to give yourself some credit as being the unofficial mentor to a lot of us here in this office. Oh, don't. Thank you. Take the compliment. Immediately (laughs) Immediately 
want to deflect. I'm I like, saw it in your eyes. I know. I'm I like, I'll that. cut that out of the episode. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, you will not. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. That's really kind. It's because I just feel so passionate about making people feel like, okay. Like I really feel like I want people at work to love what they do and if I can attribute to that by just being an ER. The other one is five, if you are a leader, address imposter syndrome with employees. This has been a pleasure, ladies. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Lauren. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Oh, it's been really nice to do something a little bit different with you talented gals. And, yeah, really appreciate it. Love unpacking a bit of imposter syndrome. I know a lot of people listening may be able to relate to it in some way. I know I definitely feel it in ibs and flows. And let's try a few of those points or just being a little bit more kind to ourselves. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up here? No, thanks. That's all for me. Thank you, Loz. Stunning. Thanks, gals. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yeah The Gals. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe or follow us on Instagram at Yeah The Gals Podcast. And remember, gals, you bloody got this. Yeah.